I can't tell somebody, oh, you should give birth at this place or you should give birth at that place. Everyone has different priorities and values. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Carmen, and I'm a certified breastfeeding counselor. And I'm Ruth Green, an international birth doula. And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. As a reminder, nothing shared on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. One should always seek advice from their own medical provider. Hey, Ruth, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay today. Mm. You know, I've been thinking about this podcast and I thought it would be fun if every week we share kind of just a funny or anecdotal story that's happened either to one of us or something that we've seen here having a baby in China. Yeah. Do you have do you have a story you want to share tonight? I do. <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite stories to share because it just, I don't know, it's probably funnier to me than anybody else, but... Back when I had my first in 2010, I did all this reading about having a baby in America, and I was trying to figure out how it applied here and how different cultural practices would be different and all of that. So anyways, fast forward through the birth, and the baby came out, my beautiful daughter, and they took her over to the side to be measured and weighed and all that. My husband and my mom went with her, and I was left on the delivering table or bed. I don't know. In my mind, it's a table, but I think it was more of a bed. And I had this sweetest prenatal doctor. She was 76 years old and had delivered babies all around the world. And she spoke a little bit of English. She wasn't actually my delivering doctor because I guess she was like too old, but she was just so sweet. She wanted to be at the birth anyways. So I'm pretty miserable. And if anybody's given birth before, you know, after the baby comes out, what is that's the second stage. So what's the third stage, Jacqueline? <laughs> after birth? <laughs> yes, the delivery of the placenta. And, you know, most people will say, oh, nobody told me about this. It was really painful. You continue to have contractions. And so I'm so uncomfortable. The baby's over there. My husband's over there. And this sweet doctor is sitting next to me, stroking my hand. She's like having your grandma at the birth, like the sweetest grandma you can imagine. And she says, you just need, you just need beer. And I had been reading Dr. Bradley's books and in it, he talks about how after the birth, the mom should drink a glass of orange juice. And so I'm thought, I thought, is this some sort of cultural practice that I don't know about? So I'm like, I need beer. And she's like, no, 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 no. You just need, you just need beer. And I'm really confused. And it's actually still really common practice to use fundal pressure or fundal massage to help the placenta be delivered faster. And so they're rubbing on my stomach. It's just so uncomfortable. And she says one more time, you just need beer. And I'm like, I need beer. She's like, no, you need beer the pain. I was like, oh, okay. I need to beer the, I need to bear the pain. And so it always makes me laugh. I think every single birth I've ever gone to since or my own, I just think I just need to beer the pain and maybe have a cup of orange juice, (laughs) but not beer. beer. (laughs) I think I even started using the word in Chinese. I was like, like, pijo? Like, I need to drink some pijo? She's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Hey, I have heard some like antidotal or that beer can help with milk supply. So maybe she. (laughs) Yes. I mean, like it really did not seem that far out of the realm of possibilities. (laughs) Oh, so, well, this week we wanted to kind of 
go back to what we talked about last week where we were talking about the different options for giving birth, like birth locations. We'll give a quick summary of that. But in addition to that, talk about some different factors that go into how to choose your birth location. So Jacqueline, can you give us just that really quick rundown for the options that there are for giving birth in China? Yeah, so we talked through your public hospital, public local hospital, and then your private local hospital. Then you have uh, international hospital, which depending on your city, maybe in your city, or maybe you need to travel to a different city. And then there's the option of going home to your home country. So just a reminder that home birth is not an option here. And there's not really such a thing as a birth center, although I feel like some of the international hospitals kind of try to have a birth center type feel, maybe. I don't know. It's still very much a hospital, but they do try to take in a little bit more of the like homey feeling of things. And so when I'm talking to different clients about where they should give birth, I can't tell somebody, oh, you should give birth at this place or you should give birth at that place because there are just so many different factors that go into that. And every family situation is going to be completely different. Everyone has different priorities too as well and values. So what I value and see as most important is going to be different from you versus, you know, the next person. Choosing a right hospital for myself would not necessarily be the same hospital that you would choose or my friend. Yeah, actually, it reminds me back to when you had your second baby here in China, but it was the first baby after I met you. You had one and you were pregnant with your second and everybody else I knew went to the international hospital and you actually chose a local private hospital. And I was really surprised by that. Yeah. yeah and, and she was still traveling. Like You still traveled to another city, but you chose a local private hospital. So in another podcast, you'll have to tell us more about that decision. So the first factor that I think plays into everybody's mind is the cost. So what are the finances? And this goes into insurance as well. Yeah. Somebody might have a job that provides a really high maternity coverage, which is amazing. And then their choices are perhaps broader. Definitely if finances isn't an issue. So let's say maybe you have the means to pay for more expensive hospital or yeah, you have insurance to be able to cover it, then definitely more options are available for you as opposed to someone who maybe finds themselves pregnant that they weren't really expecting or their workplace doesn't provide insurance or maybe they thought they had good insurance, but they don't. So yeah, the finances definitely will play a big role into which hospital someone can or will choose. Yeah, I think that finances might also play into whether you even have the ability to travel to another city. So it might not just be the cost of the hospital itself, but if you're having to travel to another city and find a place to live for several weeks while you wait for the baby to be born and for a few days after the birth and all the travel expenses and all of that, then you know that becomes quite costly as well. You also have, are you going to have to take time off of work to be able to be in that wherever you are going to be giving birth? Yeah. Or is your partner going to have to? I remember that as a one of the factors for us. I knew that my husband wouldn't be able to travel to another city until right before the birth. And then you're kind of guessing when the birth is going to be. And so I didn't want to live away from him while we waited for the birth to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that does actually go into kind of those personal values too. One person might have it as a really strong value that they want their birth partner with them, not only as they wait to go into labor, but through the whole labor. So this is a really important question to ask whatever hospital you're giving birth at. Under what circumstances will they allow the birth partner to be in the room with you? And how many people will they let have in the room with you? Right now with COVID restrictions, I, I, I hate to say it, but you're almost kind of lucky to have even one person in the room being your your partner or your spouse, the baby's father, or maybe it's not them and it's your mother or your mother-in-law, but really one person is actually kind of iffy at all. But even outside of COVID, that can be a question. A lot of the public hospitals won't allow that unless you're paying for a very high package with a private room and all of that. I was going to say that a lot of public hospitals, their system is set up where a, a laboring mother is in a labor room with other laboring mothers. And so then you wouldn't be able to have someone with you during that. And then sometimes, depending on the hospital, they will have that when it gets close to delivery, they'll put the mother in a delivery room. And so then that's when a partner could come in for the delivery because now it's more private. So yeah, that's something to look into when looking at the hospital, like where do mothers labor and where do they deliver? Yeah, I always challenge my clients to ask specifically, like I said before, like under what circumstances, because I've attended births where they're like, oh yeah, the husband can be there the entire time. But then every single time they do a cervical check or they want to put the IV line in or they want to break the water, they're kicking the birth partner out of the room. And it's really frustrating to me because sometimes those are the times where you're most uncomfortable or most nervous and you actually really want to have your birth partner with you. So that's a really important question to ask. It's not just, can my birth partner be at the birth, but at what point would they be removed from the room? And this also goes into the cesarean. Yeah. Very, very few hospitals in China will allow a husband into the cesarean room. Sometimes they'll let a spouse come in if it's a planned C-section, but oftentimes in those places, they won't let someone else into the delivery room if it's an emergency. Yes, exactly. So this goes along somewhat with cultural practices. So how open are they to accepting how you choose to birth? So this can be everything from having your partner with you to what are you going to be allowed to eat? I don't know. Have you run into restrictions on eating? At all? Yeah. I mean, I haven't actually seen that in China, actually. It's like, it's one of the few things that I'm like, yay, it's (laughs) really great about here. I've never been restricted in eating in China. So I only have my personal experiences and I usually show up at the hospital only minutes before baby's born. So I'm (laughs) not eating or drinking (laughs) at those moments. So (laughs) yeah. Allowing skin to skin would be, I don't know if that's really a cultural practice or just a medical practice. So I've been trying to think through like, oh, I know one (laughs) showering after the birth or during the birth (laughs) showering or or any of these things. So we'll talk in a later podcast about the idea of Zuo Yuezha, which is the sit month, and a USL, which is someone who 
helps take care of the baby after the birth. But alongside all of all of that are some really, really strong cultural practices. And some hospitals are, you know, much more open and like, well, if you don't want to do that, that's okay. But other ones can be quite forceful or even, you know, refuse you from taking a shower or brushing your teeth or <laughs> you might be surprised at the different things. So how open are they to allowing you to labor and birth and stay there using your own practices? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing to investigate is the birth rate, vaginal birth versus cesarean sections. And how the hospital is set up to support a natural birth or a vaginal birth or even giving epidurals or pain meds during labor for vaginal birth or even for the C-section. Yep. Yeah. What What is the kind of feel that you get about the hospital about how well they will support you if you have a desire for a natural birth or for a cesarean. You know, I have clients who actually do choose their hospital based off of the fact that they would like to choose a cesarean for one reason or another. And so these are important factors to consider. What are some good questions to ask to be able to figure out whether the hospital is more prone towards in supporting natural or vaginal birth or C-sections? I do think this is a really hard question because they might seem to give you all of the right answers or the particular doctor that you're seeing might have all of the right answers and be quite supportive. But then when you go in to deliver the baby, you're going to be most likely with a completely different person. And so it's hard to pin down. I think that asking specific questions like if my water breaks Will I be required to lie down? Is my partner allowed to be with me? Am I allowed to move around during labor? Can I go to the toilet on my own? I think that like those are all really great questions to ask. But another one is how are they treating you during your pregnancy? So if they're really strongly pushing that you have every test done and every test that you get has very, you know, they find something wrong with every test or they're really analyzing exactly how much weight that you're putting on and exactly what your blood sugars are and all of these different things where it has this feel of just being incredibly medicalized, then that would be a a pretty big red flag to me. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. But that does go into the medical needs, which is another factor that plays into it. Unfortunately, not everybody has a super easy, healthy pregnancy. And so actually, each city government will have limitations on the different hospitals and what types of pregnancies they are allowed to see in their hospital. Have you run into friends or clients be told that they couldn't give birth at a certain hospital because of their particular prenatal situation? I don't think that I have. No. Mm -mm. Okay. I run into it all the time and it's really frustrating. The most Interesting one I heard most recently was that a particular hospital was able to help the couple achieve pregnancy through fertility treatments. Mm-hmm. But then once they were pregnant, they would were required to go to a different hospital because their pregnancy was seen as high risk. And it wasn't just the IVF. It wasn't just that it was conceived through IVF. There were some other factors. But mm-hmm. it was really interesting to me 
there's definitely no emphasis put on continuality of care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are going and seeing this doctor and it's great and you love it and everything. And then, you know, something happens. They're like, oh, actually, I can no longer see you. You have to go to another hospital. I don't know if it happens more in my city, if my city happens to be more regulated, but uh, it is definitely something that comes up a lot for my clients. Mm, yeah. But somebody who has a lot of concern about their pregnancy or their baby might choose to go to a a certain hospital because it makes them feel safer. Mm -hmm. I have actually mixed feelings about this one, though, because the research shows that going to a low-risk hospital actually gives you the highest chances of staying low-risk because if you go to a high-risk hospital, that is actually the only way that the doctors know how to treat I shouldn't say it's the only way they know. They've probably studied other ways. But 90% of the patients that they are seeing are high-risk patients. Or I don't know. I'm making that number up. But they have a higher proportion of high-risk patients. And so that is their specialty. That's how they know how to treat a pregnancy. And so then even when somebody comes in as a low-risk pregnancy, in their mind, they still see high-risk because that's what they see all day, every day. And so actually, you're highest chances statistically and again none of this can be construed as medical advice (laughs) statistically you actually have a higher chance of having a low risk delivery if you stay in a low risk hospital they say like when someone has a hammer they see everything as a nail (laughs) yes yes exactly (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) yeah so on the next one would be looking at language support. You know, how comfortable are you with speaking Chinese? And does the hospital only speak Chinese? Knowing that you being in labor might not be as comfortable with speaking a second language or a third language, whatever, (laughs) speaking Chinese. You know, working through, do you need language support? Is your partner able to help you? Or do they provide a language support translator. I know some hospitals, sometimes nurses can speak English. Sometimes the doctor can speak English. Yeah, so that's definitely something to look into when choosing a hospital. Also remembering that sometimes, especially with the COVID situation now, that you might not be able to have an outside person in there to translate for you. Yes, for sure. And it might be important to ask how many people at the hospital speak English and the likelihood of one of them actually being at your birth. Because that's another thing that my clients have run into is that, you know, they go to all of their appointments, which are planned and scheduled. And so the hospital provides an English translator for them, a nurse who speaks English or whatever. But when they go into labor, that one person who speaks English, you know, is sick or has a kid or has traveled or whatever it might be and is not able to be there. Yeah. The next thing to think about is the location. Where do you live? Where are you staying? How far away is the hospital? As we've mentioned before, so I don't want to talk too much at length. Will you travel to another city? So that's definitely something to think about. Personally, my last birth, I actually went to this hospital, international hospital that's literally at the front gate of my (laughs) complex. 
Um, it wouldn't it necessarily be have been my first pick because there's certain things that, you know, I don't like, but actually that location I found just so convenient, especially at the end when you're going to the hospital so frequently, you know, how, how easily are you getting to the hospital? And then even in labor, actually, it, it might sound odd, but I actually really enjoyed the walk to the hospital when I was giving birth. Oh, I do want to add one other thing about the location. Maybe perhaps you are choosing to travel a great distance to deliver, but maybe you're not going to do all of your all of your visits, doctor's appointments at that place. So maybe there's another place, a local hospital that you're going. Um, I definitely have done that too, where I did most of my prenatal at one location and then delivered at a different location. Yeah, I do want to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of traveling to another city. If there is not a place that you feel safe and supported in the city that you live in, I really see that it could be quite valuable to go to another city. If there's, you know, any way that you can make it work with your budget and your family situation and all of that. However, <laughs> there are definitely downsides, not just what we talked about, the practicality, but the waiting, <laughs> the waiting. We actually host people in our home. I live five minutes from a really great hospital. And so we've had a few different people come and stay with us while they wait to go into labor. And it's just really hard to live in another place. Well, Jacqueline, you know this too, although we didn't stay in Beijing too long when you went up to have Lucas. Mm -hmm. But it's just hard to be staying in another person's home or maybe it's not somebody's home. Maybe it's just an empty apartment or a hotel. But when you have nothing to do but to just wait and wait and wait for a baby to come, it's going to make you much more anxious and more likely to choose an induction or do other means to try and speed things along. And so that's something to factor in. If you really want to just kind of be like, well, no, I just want to relax and let this baby come when it comes and not be worrying about dates or anything like that, then traveling to another city that is not going to be the most supportive of that. I'm definitely not saying don't do it because like I said, if traveling to another city is the best option for having a hospital where you feel truly supported and is going to better your, your birth experience, then it can absolutely be worth it. But it is just another factor to think about. Yeah. Uh, traveling, but you could also, if you have that in your mind, you can also kind of see it as like a little baby vacation. <laughs> yes. Do fun things. I hosted people who came to wait for babies and we would just do sightseeing touristy things. And yeah, it definitely is fun too. I've just seen many people be like, oh, we've already been here for two and a half weeks or three weeks or whatever. And then they're, you know, the doctor goes, oh, well, you know, we could just induce you because of this or that, you know, and then they're like, yes, just do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think actually I think one of my my top recommendations to do is to actually hear other people's stories from where these hospitals that you're looking into find out who's given birth at these hospitals and see you know listen to their stories but i do caution and say again 
your values and your perspectives are going to be different from these these other people. So maybe, for example, they had a really terrible experience, but you would actually find that the hospital would be a really good fit for you. So you want to listen to people's stories and their experiences, but also trying to keep it in perspective of this is, was their experience and their point of view. Also, maybe the hospital staff has changed. Yes. That doctor that they saw and those nurses, they no longer work there. And now they have this completely different team. It could go the either way where this was an amazing experience, but now those doctors are gone or that was a terrible experience, but now those doctors are gone and now they're, it's really great. Definitely highly recommend talking to other people. But again, remember, each person is different. Absolutely. That's why it's important to, if possible, listen to several different people's stories. I think for every hospital I've ever known, there's been somebody who's like, oh, don't ever give birth at that place because, you know, they had a a rough story there. But if you sit down and listen to their story, maybe you can think about like, where did things go wrong for them? And does that actually apply to you. You know, if somebody just had the worst experience because nobody spoke English to them, but you actually speak Chinese quite well, or you have a partner who can translate for you, then that might actually not be a concern. So it's important to kind of get the feel because we were talking earlier about the hospital statistics. And if you can figure out what is their cesarean rate or what's their episiotomy rate or whatever, that's great. But it's sometimes hard to know how accurate they are, or it's even hard just to get them. I was asking some of the different hospitals for their cesarean statistics, and it was kind of interesting that it kind of seemed like it was a little bit of like a trade secret. I told them I was working on an assignment, which I was, for a class I was taking. And so I was just trying to get a picture of what the different hospitals in my city were like. And, you know, a lot of them couldn't give me answers. So... To me, that's a bit of a red flag, but at the same time, maybe cultural. Yeah. Well, we have any final thoughts for this topic? Yeah, I think we'd love to hear from other people about what factors went into. How did they choose the hospital that they gave birth at? Oh, I know what else I wanted to talk about. And that is that I do think it's important to think critically about where you're giving birth and to not just be like, oh, well, this is where everybody I know has given birth. And so therefore I will. Or, well, as far as I know, there's only one option. So that's where I'm going to go. Really think critically. Actually, I've heard people say, well, I didn't have any other options. And then when I sit down and I say, well, you know, you could have gone to the public hospital or, you know, you could have traveled to another city. You could have gone to your home country. You know, this was pre-COVID. And they're like, oh, I really did have choices. And this was the choice that I made. I think that it's important to take ownership over your decisions and to not feel like a victim or, well, I just didn't, I just couldn't do anything else, you know? So going through what your personal values are and having your partner, if they're in the picture, also go through their values and then bring those together. Like ideally even work on it separately and then bring it together and then discuss together. Like what are our top two or what are our top three and where do they line up and discuss together? What are the options that kind of line up with those values the best? 
also keep in mind that maybe you made a decision at the beginning and you're doing your visits and it is just not a good match. It is okay mm. to change your mind and go somewhere else. There's somebody in our groups and I hope to interview her someday in the future, but she literally checked in for her induction. So she's, you know, 39 plus weeks and she checks in for the induction. I don't remember why. And whatever was going on, they, they, the hospital's like, oh no, all those things that we told you, no, those aren't actually accurate. And she turned around and walked out and <laughs> checked into a different hospital like two days later and had a fantastic experience. So you know, I, I don't know that that's always the best choice for everyone. But yeah, if you do not feel, you know, supported, if you don't feel safe, if even though you made this decision or you made this deposit at the hospital, continue to think critically about your birth location and whether it's a good fit for you and your partner. Yeah, great. To sum up, we talked about thinking we want to think critically when we choose a hospital. We want to consider finances, thinking about our values looking at the hospital for providing and support for natural birth and their C-sections, whether they let your partner come in to delivery or not, and labor. Think about their cultural practices, their level of medical support that they have, their language, the actual location of the hospital, and also thinking about the personal experiences that people have had at those hospitals. Great summary, but yeah, if you have other thoughts that you'd like to add, definitely let us know and we would love to hear those. And again, our contact information is in the notes and we will see you or we will not see you. <laughs> We'll be back here next what? time on the <laughs> Having a Baby in China podcast. Yes, we will be back soon. Thanks for listening. This is the point where I, I, I talk about my own children and how my son took his play pickaxe to our wall. <laughs> we now have huge gouges in our drywall of our house because he thought it was fun to pretend that he was mining <laughs> in our house. <laughs> uh.